A renowned professor, Professor Jeffrey Hinton, who's known as the godfather of AI, recently resigned from Google, expressing concerns about the potential misuse of AI tools. Welcome to the Brattle Exchange, where we explore critical economic, financial, and accounting topics with Brattle experts and influential voices from industry and academia. It's hosted by the Brattle Group, a global consulting firm that tackles complex economic, financial, and regulatory questions for corporations, law firms, and governments around the world. Hi, I'm Shastri Sathi, a senior associate in Brattle Chicago office. I frequently work with diverse and big data, as well as reviewing computer programs and models. Today, I'm with my co-author, Christine Pollack. We recently published an article on the disparate impact of artificial intelligence and machine learning. And in today's podcast, we'll discuss some of the key regulatory issues and risks associated with the use of artificial intelligence. In particular, we'll discuss how the use of AI and machine learning to make business decisions may produce unintended discriminatory outcomes. Christine? Thanks, Shastri. It's a pleasure to join you today to talk about AI and ML. Um, you know, earlier this year, I had the opportunity to moderate a panel that focused on regulatory frameworks that are designed to promote the responsible and ethical deployment of AI. At the time, there was a lot of uncertainty about the future of AI regulation in the U.S. and abroad. I think there's still a lot of uncertainty and speculation about what the regulatory landscape will look like. But I think there's a lot to say about the existing legal frameworks that cover certain aspects of AI, which is, in essence, the focus of our paper. But before we dive into the details, I'm curious, Shastri, if you could share a little bit about what sparked your interest in AI originally. I would say I have a strong background in computer science, which naturally steered me towards AI. My degrees include a PhD in finance, and I also have a Bachelor of Science and Master's degree in engineering from MIT. And I would say I was fortunate during my academic training to take classes with prominent academics and scientists in the computer science field. And this experience, I would say, introduced me to algorithmic and computing concepts that are key concepts in AI technologies. In addition, I would say my finance and economics training helped to bring into focus the economic and econometric consequences of these AI models. I think, Christine, before continuing our discussion, it's probably useful to define what we mean by AI and ML. And I would say, broadly speaking, artificial intelligence, AI, refers to computer programs that use data and algorithms to make decisions or predictions. And these are typically decisions that a human would make. As you know, Christine, AI has been around for years, but what we're seeing today is the cost of computing, it's falling, and the availability of diverse sets of data are rising. And this combined with the advances in computing technology has made AI and ML more widespread. I would say examples of AI could be seen, say, in 1997, a computer program beat the world chess champion at the time. And this is an example of AI. Another example, if we think of the field of aviation, when you book a flight, AI system often determines what you pay. 
And continuing with this aviation theme, when you're on a plane, the AI system would assist the pilot in flying the plane. Today, Christine, I would say everyone's now talking about ChatGPT, a text-based AI chatbot, which is an example of a large language model that generates human-like prose. And in machine learning, ML, which is a subfield of AI, computers program themselves through experience. What this means is it gives the computers the ability to learn without explicitly being programmed. How would you say your interest in AI was sparked? Well, as you know, I'm an economist by trade, so I don't bring the level of training in computer science that you offer. Although, you know, as you discussed, we as an economist have a lot of experience with tools like regression, tools that are commonly used in AI models. But I have a real strong interest in how new technologies impact economic systems from an economic perspective. I'm particularly interested in the potential of artificial intelligence to revolutionize the way we work, produce goods and services, and create value for our society. Um, AI is considered to be the most profound technological shift of our lifetime. It has the power to transform productivity and global GDP growth. I don't know if you heard about this recent study um, that the Harvard Business School came out with that demonstrated that consultants' productivity improved greatly um, with the use of chat GPT-4, which you were talking about before. Um, not just their productivity, but also the, the quality of the work was, was much higher. So, you know, we're seeing it in real time. And this acceleration of AI is likely to lead to interesting and challenging issues that require economic analysis. Um, more explicitly, companies are increasingly, increasingly relying on AI models in making employment-related decisions in areas like recruitment and hiring. Um, likewise, financial companies are relying on AI-based technologies and extending credit to borrowers. Economic analysis can help examine the outcomes of these AI-based models and evaluate whether they adhere to regulatory and legal restrictions. Our article explores these issues in greater detail. Shastri, would you want to share some of the more interesting examples from our article that illustrate how AI-based decisions might pose regulatory risk? Yes, I'll be delighted. As you know, our article describes possible discrimination against protected classes through the use of AI business models. There are a number of legal risks associated with using AI. And I would say the rules and regulation around using AI tools are currently being developed and debated. Some relevant risks include those related to privacy, patent law, and copyright law. And in our paper, we focus on the risks that AI can introduce unintended discriminatory practices that violate existing rules and regulations. And we provide examples in the credit, housing, and employment markets. So in today's podcast, I'd like to touch on a couple of examples. For example, in the employment market, one well-known case is where AI decision model resulted in outcomes that were found to be potentially problematic in light of laws against discrimination in hiring. And this was a system that was developed by Amazon in 2014 to automate hiring. What Amazon did was they applied an algorithm that was trained on 10 years worth of resumes from past applicants. 
And so, Christine, most of the applicants and successful hires, the resumes that the model saw were of male. And so, historically, men have been more likely to work in technology sector than women. And so, what this meant by seeing resumes that were skewed towards male, this resulted in a systematic discrimination by the algorithm against women applying for technical jobs. And so to be more specific, what the algorithm ended up doing was it attributed a lower score to resumes of applicants who quote-unquote attended women's colleges or who played on women's chesty. When Amazon evaluated the model, they stopped using this AI system because they recognized a disparate outcome from it where the model was discriminating against female applicants. Another interesting example, Christine, is an AI decision tool that, again, could be problematic in light of laws against discrimination. And this involved a system that was also developed by Amazon. No, we're not hopping against Amazon. It's just that the AI tools have produced some unintended outcomes that have been interesting. And so in the case of Amazon, they use their AI model to help them decide what neighborhoods to exclude and include in its same-day prime delivery system. And the way this model worked was it looked at whether a particular zip code had a sufficient number of prime members, whether the zip code was near a warehouse, and whether there were enough people to make the delivery worthwhile. So it looked in terms of supply and demand issues to see if it would be a profitable venture. And while these factors that the model looked at are non-race-specific factors, it turns out that many neighborhoods are homogeneous in terms of race and income. And so what the model ended up basically doing was using zip code as a proxy for race and wealth. And as a consequence, predominantly African-American neighborhoods were unintentionally excluded from the program. And again, with the hiring model, Amazon ultimately didn't honor the model's recommendation and instead uh, stopped it. So it stopped the recommendations of the model because it learned it was creating a disparate outcome. Another example is in the credit market, and it involves Lemonade, an insurance firm. And Lemonade, in its regulatory filings, noted that its AI model used over a thousand data points to determine its customers' level of risk, which may lead to unintentional bias and discrimination. And so Lemonade was recognizing that its AI model, through the diverse data it was collecting, could have proxies in its analysis that could have unintended outcomes. And similar to the above examples, what we find in our paper is AI tools may also violate existing rules and regulations which prohibit discrimination in residential real estate loans. And so what that means are these AI models could accelerate existing discriminatory patterns and create systematic risk for credit and housing market consumers. This could lead Christine to digital redlining, which is a focus of regulators. One example we note of Wells Fargo was sued over allegations that the bank discriminated against 
African-American homeowners by charging these homeowners higher interest rates through refinancing. Those are all really good examples of AI models that could lead to discriminatory outcomes. And I think it's important to point out that a critical aspect of these examples is that the possible biased outcomes were not a result of subjective decision-making. That is, the outcomes were not the result of the decision-maker's personal preferences. AI learns by extracting patterns from data, and so it can unintentionally introduce bias in these cases. This isn't necessarily due to the model, the modeler's sort of organization of the model, but instead caused by the quality, objectivity, and size of the data used to train the model. Ultimately, these decision models can be complex, opaque, and difficult for humans to interpret. Shastri, can you explain how we can approach evaluating these kinds of tools for potential discrimination? I would say given the prominent use of AI models in businesses and the possibility that these models can lead to disparate impact, it's important for business to evaluate how these AI tools are being used. Fortunately, there are a number of analyses that might be used to evaluate the disparate impact. These include statistical econometric analysis, as well as qualitative analysis. One somewhat well-known way to evaluate disparate impact is the so-called four-fifths rule. This is a rule of thumb that looks at differences in selection rates. So for example, Christine, if you're hiring, say, 10% of the men that apply for a particular role, then the four-fifths rule would say that you should be hiring at least 8% of the women who will apply, where four-fifths of 10% is 8%. Now, there could be some valid business justifications for hiring relatively more men than women. For example, the skills that are required to do the job may be more commonly held by men. In addition, there may not be enough data to determine whether the observed differences in selection rates are systemic issues and not just a random outcome. So this is to say the four-fifths rule of thumb does have limitations in its applications. It's often useful for businesses to consider different methods that control for factors that might justify differences in hiring rates. And so what this would do is it would help businesses determine whether the outcomes of the decision models are in fact persistent over time or across different subsets of the population. In addition to the examples we've talked about, other qualitative and quantitative analysis could be used to determine disparate outcomes. These include, in terms of quantitative analysis, Fisher's exact tests, chi-squared tests, and regression analyses. In terms of qualitative, manual data reviews could help verify patterns in the data, and help check for cases of false positive and negative trends. In addition, there are data science and other techniques, for example, sampling, that could be used to identify trends and relationships across the data and protected classes. I would say it's important to recognize that the existence of an AI model should not imply that the model's outcome would be discriminatory. And I think it's important for businesses to recognize that. What would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions that the business community still has about AI? 
the business community, as well as the general public, regulators, and prominent AI researchers are struggling to understand the implications of the use of AI in terms of its impact on productivity, growth, inequality, market power, and innovation. In fact, earlier this year, there was a lot of press around an open letter that had been signed by tech leaders and AI researchers calling for AI labs and companies to take a six-month break from producing new AI technology in order to ensure that the AI systems that are being used are safe and benefiting everyone. A renowned professor, Professor Jeffrey Hinton, who's known as the godfather of AI, recently resigned from Google, expressing concerns about the potential misuse of AI tools. While I'm of the opinion that an AI pause is unlikely, I do think that the recent emphasis on making AI models and the data behind them and the decisions they make more understandable and explainable is an important part of the path forward. In light of the fact that the AI technologies and associated challenges are changing so rapidly, and along with the preference to make AI explainable, um, what do you think, Shastri, companies should be doing now to reduce the risk of using AI models that might lead to disparate impact? Well, Christine, I think there are some steps that companies can take to minimize the risk of disparate impact. For example, I think it's important for organizations to be transparent about the data and algorithms they use, and in addition to regularly evaluate and test the performance of these models. If, say, a company is working with an AI vendor, it would be helpful for them to ask the vendor about the use of proxy data and about how the vendor tries to minimize bias during the training of the model. Importantly, I think it's helpful for the business to document how the AI models are being developed and evaluated. Most people would agree that employers don't want to use AI tools that discriminate. And I think having records of the efforts that have been made to minimize and manage the risk of such outcomes is beneficial. Those are great recommendations. And I think the recommendation to document and make sure your models are explained and uh, transcribed is a really poignant one. Can companies look to you for additional insight about regulatory developments related to AI models? Yes, for sure. I will continue to be working in and tracking new developments in this space. And I look forward to our future collaborations on this topic. And I think if you have any questions about this podcast or AI or disparate impact, feel free to reach out to me. Thank you for taking the time to listen.